Beatrice Spills the Beans on Codependency is a codependency recovery, emotional awareness, and exploration podcast. B is a mom, social worker, and recovering codependent, creating a space for like-minded people who have similar experiences to help empower and cheer each other on. Join B on her journey with emotional exploration. Hey friends, today we are going to be talking about hashtag denial. There are four types of codependency patterns, competence, control, low self-esteem, and denial. I really relate with the denial trait of codependency or pattern of thinking because denial was really a huge trait for me growing up. I did talk about this a little bit in the past episodes, but denial for me looks like what I did as a child when I was sexually abused at a very young age. Denial for me looked like not recognizing the red flags when I was in a toxic and abusive relationship. Denial for me was constantly having friendships with people throughout my life who did not have my best interests in mind and were getting something from my relationship or having these toxic relationships with people. I wanted to do an episode on denial and talk about what denial means in relation to codependency, where denial comes from, and ways you can work on denial issues. So let's get started. The word denial when relating to psychology means the refusal to accept reality or acting as if a painful event, thought, or feeling did not occur. When I did my fourth step in codependency recovery, I listed my codependency character traits, and almost half of my character traits are denial traits. The first recognition I had that I wrote down in my journal about denial is that my denial looks like when I tell someone that I don't have a feeling or I say something passive and then I'm saying I'm just joking, minimizing how I feel. This also caused depression and low self-esteem because not only did I lack understanding of how I was feeling, but I wasn't able to communicate how I felt to others. So I had difficulty identifying my feelings and then I would minimize if I had feelings. And I grew up in a house that I was told, you know, don't be a crybaby or I'll give you something to cry about. And so I was taught from a very young age that some feelings just weren't acceptable. And I just recently had the conversation with my therapist about how I think that I have this obsession with death and dying because in my family, that was the only time that it was acceptable to have feelings other than anger and sarcasm. I think that I loved having other feelings and anger and sarcasm. And in my family of origin, I only felt safe to feel those feelings if someone had passed away. I wasn't identifying my feelings and being honest with others about where I stood. I just kept everything bottled up. And if I was expressing things, it usually was passive aggressively or just outright aggressively when I would take so much that I couldn't take it anymore. What denial looks like is minimizing. People who are in denial often use the phrase, oh, no, I'm fine. No, it's okay. Yeah, that you you yelled at me, but it's okay. It's fine. They love to use that as their go-to. In the beginning of my recovery, I had to do a lot of work on feelings. And even now, 
I still use a feelings wheel with my husband and my mother-in-law's even used it. Sometimes when I'm talking with friends or my aunt or my mom, I've sent them the feelings wheel and they can identify what they're feeling and we can talk about it. And identifying feelings is not as easy as people make it seem to be. It really takes some time and effort and understanding of what different words mean. I'll post the feelings wheel for this episode on my Instagram. So if you're interested, you could start using the feelings wheel. Another thing that, like I said in an earlier episode, I'm working through a book called The Dance with Anger by Harriet Lerner. I think that's a great book. So if you want to download it on your favorite audio platform, that's how I'm doing it. I'm just popping in my ears when I'm doing some housework that I highly recommend it. But because I'm doing that, I've been focusing on what's called the anger iceberg, which is an illustration that my therapist gave me early on in my recovery. And I don't, in my head, she didn't give it to me for me, but she probably did and just didn't tell me that. It's stating that anger is just the tip of the iceberg. And there's a lot of emotions under anger that are to describe anger. And I, you know, so I'm learning that shame and guilt and a lot of feelings can turn into anger. And especially, like I said, if you grow up in an environment where anger is the primary emotion that is shown as an example for you, it's going to be very common to have confusing emotions. And I think that's why I guess I'm grateful that my husband and I are raising my son in an emotionally aware environment. There's TV shows out there and programs that can help with emotional understanding, books, For us, we have a children's book that describes the different emotions, um, and each emotion is a different color. We watch Inside Out, the Disney movie about emotions. Also, Daniel Tiger, which is the cartoon version of The Land of Make-Believe from, I was going to say Roger Rabbit, from Mr. Rogers. And that show teaches a lot about emotional health and regulation and understanding emotions and big transitions and changes. And I just think that that wasn't something that was focused on in my family. I think also it wasn't acceptable in the past to express emotions and be open about emotions like it is today. So I am grateful that my son is getting that experience in our household and we're kind of breaking the mold of how my husband and I were both raised. I think we have to remind each other a lot that we have to talk to our son and explain things to him and um, explain our emotions and own our emotions so that he can feel comfortable to do that too. It's it's our responsibility to make a vulnerable space, a space where vulnerability is accepted and appreciated in our house. And we And we both strive to do that. Another pattern is I would project my negative traits onto others or easily point out others' faults. So this was a denial pattern, and it sounds like a judgmental pattern. But like I said in the previous episode, a lot of times things that you see yourself being really judgmental about are things that you yourself struggle with and you don't like about yourself. And so instead of noticing it in yourself, you notice it in others. And that was one of my denial patterns because I was in denial of it being my trait and I was in denial to own my own responsibility in situations. Another one is masking pain with happiness or humor. That's because 
I constantly was in relationships with people where I didn't feel comfortable to be myself and to cultivate vulnerability like I was describing that we're trying to do in my family unit. And because I would mask my pain with happiness and humor, there was a side of me that wasn't being acknowledged. And it was partly because I didn't have relationships with people in a way that I could be vulnerable. And it was partly because it just wasn't safe for me to be vulnerable that I wasn't getting my needs met and I didn't feel like my emotions mattered. So that would lead to more depression and disconnection from those around me. And sometimes I would get really resentful feeling that I was misunderstood. And I probably was misunderstood because I think I expected people to just know my feelings. And I didn't I didn't know that being direct and expressing myself and learning how to express myself was the freedom and the ticket to freedom that I needed. Another denial pattern is being passive aggressive. And this also goes, I mean, I think these all kind of stem from this idea of just not being able to express myself. I think the biggest denial pattern that I had was recognizing the unavailability of others. And to me, this meant that my ex-husband wasn't emotionally available to have a healthy relationship with someone when I was with him. And I don't think that he was capable of loving me in a way that was healthy. And I, and my denial kept me from seeing that because I, I decided that I wanted to see what I wanted to see instead of reality. And so I took the warning signs and told myself that those weren't real. And that was really traumatizing for me because not only was I in denial, but I wasn't trusting my own instincts or my own intuition. And before I learned about codependency and started working on myself, I always had to ask people what they thought of a decision I was making. I would have to run it by everyone I knew. And then I would judge my decision off of their response instead of knowing that I can make happy and healthy decisions for myself. My little mantra for this episode, if you want to go along with it, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and repeat to yourself, I can make happy and healthy decisions for myself. Happy and healthy breathe out. Take another deep breath in. I can make happy and healthy decisions for myself. One more time for the people in the back. I can make happy and healthy decisions for myself. This was my mantra for the first year of recovery for me. I had to tell myself that a million times a day along with the serenity prayer, because I truly didn't know before my recovery that I could make happy and healthy decisions for myself. Because the decisions I made in my life were always open to criticism. And I allowed that by wanting people's opinions and also just the unwarranted growing up with very opinionated people around me who, if they didn't agree with what I was doing, whether I knew in my gut it was right or not, they would definitely tell me their feelings on it. I valued other people's feelings 
and opinions more than my own. And that got me into a lot of turmoil. And I'm here to tell you that if you are asking every person you know about the next step you make, you don't need to do that because you can make happy and healthy decisions for yourself. Another part of denial is ignoring the truth and your intuition, which goes with the last one I said. For me, I stopped listening to my intuition very young when I was sexually abused because I think it's really weird because I knew I was disconnected. Um, When I really got into meditating, I realized that I had some severe disconnection issues to myself and my intuition and listening to my gut. To the point that I think that I struggled with my weight my whole life because not only did I not listen to my intuition, but I didn't listen to, like, your gut is, I really believe, like, your intuition is where your gut is in your stomach. And I don't know if this is just for me or other people can relate. If you can relate to this, write in and let me know. But I think that I couldn't pay attention to if my stomach was full or or not because I turned off my intuition because once I started doing therapy on my sexual abuse and getting really deep into the healing process of that I started being able to listen to my stomach and know when I was full and it just made me healthier and I just think it's really interesting how connected our bodies are and if you don't listen to your body about one thing emotionally I'm not listening to my intuition but it's also affecting me physically and how I don't listen to myself when I'm full and I don't feel satisfaction when I would eat we're all connected that's that's my little bit there but I ignored my truth for a long time and my intuition for my whole life because I was so young when I shut it off that I did not know it ever existed or how to get it back and that's something I did that's a freedom that I gained with my recovery was learning how to listen to my intuition and that's what got me here on this podcast talking to you is that little voice inside my head is telling me people want to hear this people need to hear this people are in the same situation as you and they need to know that they can make happy and healthy decisions for themselves How could denial manifest in people? Why do people start utilizing denial? Just a little note here, you know, my little tidbits. When I started recovery, my therapist often reminded me that traits that I learned as a child that were survival mechanisms because I was in a dysfunctional situation, those become patterns that we use later in life that become dysfunctional for us when they don't serve us anymore. So... Denial can come from growing up in an environment where, one, your needs weren't met, as in you don't have any food in your house because your parents are neglectful of making sure that there's food because they're too worried about other things, substances, alcohol, the needs of others, and they can't focus on your needs. If you are into psychology stuff, you've probably heard this before, but maybe not. There is a Maslow hierarchy of needs, which little fun fact, it's usually presented as a pyramid, but we made that up. He never said it was a pyramid. So basically, there's a hierarchy of needs of what we need as humans to feel safe and secure. And if those needs are not being met, 
For example, if someone doesn't have housing, security, adequate food, things like that, then they are more likely to adapt denial patterns to deny the situation they're in to make themselves feel safer. Two, your taught emotions are not valid. For me, my family of origin wasn't comfortable with discussing emotions and or they were also not taught how to discuss emotions or what emotions are. I was taught really early on to deny my feelings. That was how denial manifested with me is that I was taught very early to deny my feelings and I didn't know anything different. And so that's the pattern I brought into my relationships as an adult until I started recovery and did an inventory of my patterns and behaviors. Three, you have to pretend everything is fine. This was something I also experienced. I've had um, multiple sexual abuse occurrences and some of those that I did disclose to family members, I was told not to make a big deal about it because it would change the dynamics of our family. And then also when I was groomed as a two and three year old and sexually abused, I was told that that was a secret and I would have to go home and act like that craziness that just happened next door didn't happen. That definitely can create denial when you're going into different environments and not being able to share. I think this is something I'm extra hypersensitive about with my son is I tell my husband, I don't want my son to feel like it's okay to keep a secret from us. I grew up where my parents kept secrets from each other because it was like, oh, you don't want to make dad mad or don't tell your mother. But and they would tell me things. And so I felt like it was okay to keep secrets from your parents. And I don't think that my parents did that intentionally. It was just they didn't want to fight and they they didn't know how to communicate to each other. So they were venting about each other to us. I don't want my son to feel like it's okay to keep a secret from us or I don't want him to have the responsibility of having to carry his parents' secrets. That's not his job. I think that if we set that tone that, oh, it's okay to keep a secret from your dad or keep a secret from your mom, then other people are going to be able to convince him of that. And it just grooms them into a situation where they think secrets from their parents are normal and okay. And I do believe that if I, I don't know if I would have said anything, if it would have, I mean, I hope it would have, but I can't change what happened. There's nothing I could have done to change it. It happened the way it happened. But I do try to do things differently to protect my son from being in situations that I was in. And so Having to pretend everything is fine was something that correlated with my sexual abuse for me, but it could be different for you. Just having to pretend everything's fine. That actually happened a lot. The more I talk about it, the more I'm like, that wasn't just my sexual abuse. I had to act like everything was fine when my parents were up all night screaming at each other and fighting or my brothers and my dad were fighting and there was a lot of times that that occurred. And four, you have to fend for yourself and be self-reliant at a young age. My parents were workaholics. So by the time I decided to stay home at nine, I didn't want to go to the babysitter, which was my aunt's house or my grandma's anymore. I had to fend for myself a lot more. And my brother that was closest in age to me was home with me a lot. And sometimes he would get crazy and he had no problem beating me up. It didn't feel like the safest environment all the time. And so I had to learn how to defend myself and protect myself and also 
feed myself. I remember all the time wanting, I always wanted a mom that would have like snacks ready when you got home from school and, and I'm not complaining. I think everybody wants what they don't have. I remember starving myself. I was waiting for someone to come feed me, but then my mom and dad would work late or something. They wouldn't show up and that was something that happened a lot. So I do feel like I had to be pretty self-reliant and I think that there's good qualities from that and I think that there's some negative qualities like denial patterns that come from having to be self-reliant at too young of an age. Those aren't the only ways that denial created, but those are four common ways. A person naturally start to use denial as a coping mechanism to self-regulate and feel safe in their environment. So if those are occurring, denial is a natural reaction. Well, that is our episode on denial. I was definitely in denial that I was in denial. And I just want to send this little message out to say, if you're in denial and you deny that you're in denial, when you first hear that you're in denial, that's okay. And I'm here for you. If any denial patterns came up for you when you were listening to this episode, I would love to hear about them at my email, codependency at BeatriceSpillsTheBeans.com or on my Instagram at Beatrice underscore spills the beans. Thank you for hanging out with me, B. While I'm finding out how to be me, I hope I empower you to be you. Remember, awareness sparks growth, my friends. See you next week.